welcome to this month's episode of the Leader Fluent Podcast. Let me begin with a simple question. What are the most important qualities of a leader? You might answer that question by saying integrity or courage or people skills or decision making, and all of those would be great responses. I don't know if there's a number one response to that question, but there's one quality that is really easy to forget in leadership, and that quality is humility. And yet, while it's easy to forget, none of us like an arrogant leader. In fact, prideful leaders have a way of nauseating us and repelling us. So what does pride look like in leadership? And how do we cultivate the quality of humility? That's what we're talking about in this episode of the Leader Fluent Podcast. Several years ago, I preached a two-part sermon series on the topic of pride. And let's just be honest, it wasn't more than two parts because most people couldn't handle more than that on that particular topic. And so I remember, though, after one of the services, a man came up to me and he said, I have a question for you. Can can we meet privately for a moment? And so I said, sure. And so we stepped aside and, and then I asked him how I could help him. And then he asked me a question. He said, are your sermons always so negative. And I'll be honest with you, as, as uh, in that moment, I felt a little bit taken off guard because I just preached a sermon on pride and, and now this man's comment just blows a hole in my own pride, right? So, so I said, well, can you explain? And, and uh, he said, well, today you talked about pride and it just seemed really negative. He said, I, I like to come to church and feel good and, and here's something that's going to lift me up. And I said, well, I can understand. I said, pride is one of those topics that's probably kind of hard for all of us to hear. And I said, I'm not not trying to be negative, but I'm at the same time trying to challenge us with what Scripture says on this particular topic. And then he said something that really caught me off guard. He said, well, do you really think anyone here struggles with pride? And I said, well, after the first service, I, I actually had some people that came up to me and asked if I'd pray with them because... They told me this was an area of struggle for them. And, and then he said, well, I just don't see it. And then he said this, I mean, I don't struggle with pride. And that's when I discovered we had a problem, right? Because let me let you in on a little secret. If you can say out loud that you don't struggle with pride, you probably struggle with pride, right? It's like the man who won a blue ribbon for being the most humble person at church. And then the next Sunday he wore the ribbon to church and so they took it away from him, right? It's, it's, you're just saying that you're prideful in that moment. So, so if you say you're not prideful, you're probably prideful. So why is it such an important issue to wrestle with in leadership? Well, in Proverbs 16, verse 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. You see, pride is destructive to our souls but the destruction doesn't end there. Pride is also destructive to our leadership. In other words, when we're prideful, we not only undermine our own lives, but we undermine those that we influence. So what does pride look like in leadership? All of us could give our own thoughts and our own perspective. And to be honest with you, it doesn't take much intellectual horsepower to think of of the different ways pride shows up. But I want to take a moment and I want to diagnose this 
in our own hearts by looking at a passage of Scripture where Jesus addresses this head-on. And we find it in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus has a pretty interesting encounter with the Pharisees. Let me give you a little bit of background on the Pharisees, and that'll help kind of set the stage for this passage. The Pharisees formed around 165 BC as a separatist group who would have nothing to do with anyone who interpreted the Jewish law differently than they did. In fact, the word Pharisee actually means to separate. And while their intentions might have been good in the beginning, over time, it led them down this very deceptive path of pride. In fact, that the Pharisees became increasingly powerful during the 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And those 400 years are often called the silent years because God didn't speak during that period of time. So what did the Pharisees do during the silent years? They didn't just interpret the law, they added their own applications and regulations to the law. And the reason they did that was to ensure that people didn't break the law. So by the time Jesus arrived, who was the greatest leader of all time, by the way, that the Pharisees by that time had come up with 613 laws. And the problem was what they began to view as a divine law was actually their own man-made interpretations of the law. They were confusing personal preferences with divine law. And again, this happened in large part during the 400 silent years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is a good reminder that when God stops speaking, don't put words in his mouth, right? So, so get the picture. The Pharisees' behavior led them to a place of extreme pride. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus addresses this pride head on. In fact, Jesus points out five faces of pride that the Pharisees were wearing. And that's where I want to focus our attention for a few minutes. The first face of pride is pretending. In Matthew 23, verses 1 through 3, it says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. But don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. Now, if you read the entire 23rd chapter of Matthew, Jesus indicts the Pharisees as hypocrites. In fact, Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites six different times. Why? Because they didn't practice what they preached. In other words, they were pretenders. You see, pretending says, do as I say, not as I do. The second face of pride in leadership is power. In Matthew 23, verse 4, Jesus continues. He says, they crush people. He's talking about the religious leaders. He says, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Now, what were these unbearable religious demands that Jesus was referring to? It, again, wasn't God's law. It was the 613 laws the Pharisees had added to God's law. So you can only imagine how the Pharisees felt when Jesus comes along and he basically simplifies everything down to two laws, love God and love people. But that wasn't good enough for the Pharisees because, again, their pride had blinded them. 
and as a result, their pride was causing them to abuse their power to get people to obey all of their man-made laws. You see, the pretender face of pride says, do as I say, not as I do. But the power face of pride says, do as I say, or else. The power face of pride is based on self-serving, fear-based demands. But that's not what a spirit of humility does. John Dixon, I love how he defines humility. He says, humility is the noble choice to forego your status, deploy your resources, or use your influence for the good of others before yourself. The humble person is marked by a willingness to hold power in service of others. The third face of pride that we read about in this passage is perception. Now, perception may be the most deceptive face of pride because perception is all about how I see myself and how I think others see me. So, how does a prideful person see themselves? Well, they see themselves as better than anyone else. So, for them, life has become this this game of comparisons, if you will, and and their goal is to make sure they're better than the next guy. And and so, they look at how perception uh, just uh, uh, changes everything. And I can see this in the Pharisees, right? In Matthew 23, verse 5, Jesus says, everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels. You see, in accordance to Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Pharisees would wear religious prayer boxes and robes, but because they were consumed with pride, these religious ornaments had, had to be extra wide and extra long so that they could make a show of it. And in the message paraphrase, Jesus continues in, in uh, Matthew verse 5, he says, he says this, Their lives are perpetual fashion shows, embroidered prayer shawls one day and flowery prayers the next. Perception says this, Look at me, aren't I great? Author and consultant Marshall Goldsmith tells a story that that illustrates this powerfully. He he talks about one night having dinner with one of the top officers in the U.S. Army, and and he said that there were seven newly minted generals at the table. And the senior officer laughed as he looked at their shiny new stars, and and then he he contemplated for a moment before finally leaving the military. He, He reflects back on his own experience, and he smiles, and he looks at these new generals, and this is what he says. Have you noticed lately whenever you tell a joke, everyone laughs? And then he said this, you aren't that funny. He goes on, he said, have you noticed that lately, whenever you make a comment, people nod in agreement? You aren't that smart. He, he carries on in this and, and pointing out these things that, that, and then, you know, brings everybody kind of back down to reality. And, and, and then he gets really serious after making comments like this. And he says this, always remember, they are not saluting you. They are saluting the star on your shoulder, all that it stands for and all that it has stood for over the years. Never let admiration go to your head. When you quit wearing that star, they won't be saluting anymore. 
You see, the reason perception is such a deceptive face of pride is because it's not based on reality. Instead, it's based on a version of ourselves that only exists in our own heads. And in our heads, we think we're bigger and better than we really are. The fourth face of pride in leadership is perks. Now, let's be honest. We, we love perks, don't we, right? We, we love to be escorted to the seat of honor. We love to show our friends our awards and our prizes and our possessions. We love to casually mention in conversations at our offices in the C-suite. Perks and privileges make us feel important. But the moment perks make us feel important is also the moment our identity has been stolen from us. Because if who you are is based on what you have, then your life has become a hollow shell of deception. And Jesus addressed his face of pride in the Pharisees as he continued. In verse 6, he said this, And they loved to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. You see, perks say, I deserve it and I'm entitled to it. Now, does that mean that all perks are wrong? No, not necessarily. But, but because perks have a way of making us feel like we deserve them and that we're entitled to them, we, we have to put a filter in place whenever it comes to perks. Otherwise, they'll override us. They'll override our soul. They'll override our ambition. I've got a friend, his name is Steve Moore, and, and, and Steve developed a great filter for perks whenever he developed five questions. And I think this is challenging. It's good for us to look at, and to be honest with you, when you read them, uh, they're, they're pretty in your face, but they're powerful, and I think they can help us be healthy in this area. The, the five questions that Steve asks whenever it comes to perks is, is, is this. The first one is, do I need, and then you fill in the blank, uh, for example, do I need a bigger office, a special parking space, a, a private bathroom? Do I need, fill in the blank, to do my job more effectively? Here's a second question. Is this, again, fill in the blank with a perk, is this a legitimate reward for my performance? Here's a third question. Does this Again, this perk, does this create distance or separation, real or perceived, between me and the people I'm leading? The fourth question, does this increase my vulnerability to pride and egocentrism? And then the fifth question, would this make it hard for me to let go of my leadership role if I knew God was directing me to do so? Wow, those are great questions to ask when it comes to any perk that we might receive in leadership. And that brings us to the last face of pride in leadership. Number five is position. Now, Jesus was really particular about this. He, he didn't want a person's position or title to go to their head. So look again at what he, uh, how he describes the Pharisees. Beginning in verse 7 of Matthew 23, he says, They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher, and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your spiritual father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. 
You see, position says, I'm more important than you because my position is higher than yours. You see, we, we like to point out that we're the CEO or the CFO or COO. We, we like to mention that we're the president or the vice president. We like to let everyone know that we're the director or the owner or the doctor or the pastor or the tenured professor. professor. But just like perks, if we're not careful, our identity will get wrapped up in our position or title. So let me help you out. If you're the CEO of something, if you're the president of something, if you're the director or the leader or organizer or owner or pastor or department head of something, all that means is that you have more people you get to serve. Gerald Brooks says it like this. He says, the higher up you go in leadership, the less you get to think about yourself. And C.S. Lewis, he, he said it like this. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. We're all under the Lord. And the moment we begin to look down, we're losing an understanding of the real position that we're in. Great Britain's famous Prime Minister Winston Churchill was once asked, doesn't it thrill you to know that every time you make a speech, the hall is packed to overflowing? And I love Churchill's response. He said, it's quite flattering, but whenever I feel that way, I also remember that if instead of making a political speech, I was being hanged, the crowd would be twice as big. <laughs> that gives you some perspective, right? That's the down-to-earth perspective that we need whenever it comes to whatever position or title that we've been entrusted to. So, which face of pride do you find yourself struggling with the most? Pretending? Power? Perception? Perks? Or position? Whichever face of pride it is, and, and again, we all struggle with at least one of them and probably multiple ones, let Jesus redefine your leadership with a different approach. You see, immediately following this description of pride that was exhibited by the Pharisees, Jesus goes on in verses 11 and 12, and this is what he says, The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We all struggle with pride, but, but Jesus makes it clear what defines true greatness. True greatness for followers of Jesus is defined by humility and by our commitment to serve others. So let me, let me wrap up with a, a quote from author Max Lucado. In his book, Unshakable Hope, Max Lucado writes this, God resists the proud because the proud resist God. Arrogance stiffens the knee so it will not kneel, hardens the heart so it will not admit to sin. The heart of pride never confesses, never repents, never asks for forgiveness. Indeed, the arrogant never feel the need for forgiveness. Pride is the hidden reef that shipwrecks the soul. My prayer for us is that our hearts would find a place of submission to the Lord and that God would help each one of us to, to uproot pride whenever it begins to 
settle in our soul whenever we feel the temptation to wear one of these masks, to wear one of these faces of pride, and instead to walk humbly before the Lord. We cannot do that without his help. And my prayer is that God would help each one of us. Well, I hope you're challenged by today's lesson, and, and I know this isn't an easy topic to swallow, but is one that is critical to understand for the health of our soul and our leadership. Well, if you found today's episode helpful, I encourage you to check out some previous episodes of the Leader Fluent podcast where we tackle topics like how to create a plan for personal growth, the five signs of a hard worker, leading when you feel like a failure, and five parts of an effective team meeting. All of those uh, topics are available. Those episodes are available as well as many others. And if I can be of service in any way through resources or coaching, don't hesitate to reach out today. God bless, and I'll see you next time on the Leader Fluent Podcast. Mm-hmm.